And now I'd like to welcome in my special guest for this week's edition of Red Board Rewind. Been on once before. Glad to have him back. Talking a fantastic opening day of racing over on the West Coast of San Diego. It's Dean Kepler. Dean, how are you? Answer, how's it going? It's good to be back. Um, good to be back at Santa Anita, of course. Um, yeah, Saturday, uh, you know, we had six six graded stake races, a great opening day card. So, um, like I said, happy to be back at Santa Anita and uh, looking forward to the meet. It's always the best day of the year for a lot of people. Christmas, obviously, the day before. And then for this year, ended up being just yesterday, which is why there was no podcast yesterday. I just wanted to get the racing done yesterday before we talked about it. And Santania for me is such a special place for obviously, you know, that being my starter track for doing handicapping in the public sense where I started to give out selection, et cetera. So the Boxing Day card has always had a special place in my heart. Uh, obviously, I'm sure people can hear. Still fighting through a bit of a cold here on the uh, podcast, so hopefully people will uh, forgive me for that. But, Dean, like we said, six graded stake races. Uh, one race we aren't going to talk about, but Taba gets it done. In the Malibu. Now there's people talking, you know, maybe it's, you know, three-year-old is up for discussion. What are your kind of thoughts there when you're looking at a horse like Taba compared to, you know, Epicenter? Yeah, you know, you know what kind of uh, Taba reminds me of my favorite horse of all time, which was Ghost Sapper. And the reason I say that is because, uh, you know, I don't think seven furlongs is anywhere near his optimal distance. And, you know, uh, if you, you know, if we watched that replay, Smith had to really get on him to, you know, he's a lazy yeah. kind of a awkward kind of a horse to ride. And he was scrubbing on him hard and, you know, to pull that off and to win the way he did, like I said, at a distance, I don't think, you know, is one that he first, you know, I think he's, you know, certainly a more of a, you know, a router, um, you know, the longer the better. Uh, but, you know, as far as comparison, you know, what's, you know, with some of the, you know, three old champions, I think he's right up there because, you know, he showed he could do it at seven furlongs. He showed he can do it at a router ground. And I think, you know, at, you know, at the high grade one level, and it really takes a special horse to be able to do that. It'll be um, interesting so. to see where these two end up. I, I'm, th- I think I'm pretty much still set pro epicenter. I was not one to really bet Taba throughout the year. I thought this one was kind of in the same line as flight line. So that'll kind of tell you how my year went gambling wise in the big, big races. Uh, not too good, but we got three super fun races to talk about before we get to that. Obviously, opening day, uh, for people who don't know you, you are a published author. You did a book on trainer stats. How important are the trainer stats going into opening day, or is it more of looking, you know, maybe two weeks down the road when it comes to that? Yeah, I mean, it's always important to see who gets off to a fast start here because, like in most meets, you know, that kind of sets the tone, uh, you know, for the way things are going to, you know, go. If the guys have – Got a trainer or two that has, you know, big opening day or second day. Usually it stays that way. You know, rarely you get, you know, once in a while you get a guy that'll get hot midway through. But um, you know, barn starts off slow, they usually stay slow. If they start off quick, they usually stay quick. It usually uh translates to, you know, the rest of the beat. Uh, like I said, rarely do you see someone uh that starts off the first week or two um you know winless and then starts to pick it up and you know really you know finishes off in a flourish that you don't usually see that happen so i kind of you know pay attention to guys that start off fast um and you know kind of take it from there let us start off with the first race of this podcast we're gonna start off with the opening race race number one for santanita is the grade two mathis mile one mile on the turf always great when, when we start off with a graded stake Horses like Bluknikov from the inside, one of these deep closures who 
I had circled for quite a while before I got to a horse on the outside. That being Sumter, big negative for me, Mike Smith and the Irons. But Mandela, very, very good trainer. Had a bunch of wins, including one with Mike on, so that kind of helped me a little bit. Really, really liked the race last time out, going from Del Mar, five furlongs. Now we are stretching out to the mile. What were your kind of thoughts going into this one, Dean? I, I was on the same same uh, same horse here. He was making a second start, you know, off the layoff. He loves the Santa Anita uh, turf course. I thought, you know, this for, you know, for a grade two, it was really lacking in any solid early speed. He looked like he was going to get, you know, a pretty easy lead from the outside. And, you know, like I said, he's uh, proven he's proven going long over this course. And, um, you know, that's where I land. I also, you know, my second pick was the one that you mentioned as well. Um, I just thought he was going to sit the rail, sit a nice trip, and he's got, you know, a great closing kick. And he comes out of a big, robust field, uh, you know, out in Keeneland where, you know, he was up by a neck and just a really game horse moving inside. He looked like he would trip out well with Tyler Gaffleon. But I was, you know, all in on the seven here myself. We had a horse in number three. I'm a gambler, the Irish bred. What are your thoughts when you're starting to look at these international horses coming in first time at Santania? Do you have a certain, you know, maybe preference on who you're looking for, trainer jockey-wise, or is it kind of come-by-case basis? Yeah, kind of on a, uh, you know, individual basis. But, you know, you see Pratt here take the call from Mark Glatt. You know, um, all indications are, you know, if you follow any of the local – Train uh, trainers, I'm saying uh, clockers there. This horse was working really well over the training track. He had one four of, you know, of his last five starts. Kind of the unknown in here, but, you know, you see someone like Pratt or Hernandez, you know, some of the other top riders jump on here. Um, you, know, you have to pay attention, thinking that there has to be some quality here and, you know, that European form uh, would be able to transform here. I mean, like I said, he had worked really well. So, When it comes to workouts for you, is it – like for me, obviously, I'm a more of a Saratoga player. Being on the East Coast, I, I like seeing good workouts on the tr- on the regular track, not so much the train track. Do you have a kind of preference when it comes to that as well for out west? No, I mean, as far as works, like you know, every every trainer works just works differently. You know, fast works doesn't necessarily uh, you know mean that's a, you know, a good work for a particular trainer. But me myself, I like to see you know a decent fast work. After the last race, uh, you know, just showing that the form is intact, the horse remains, you know, in form. You know, like you, you see, like a bullet or close to a bullet after, you know, you know, perhaps like a race, uh, a horse coming out of a race mid-November, and then you see like a two weeks later a nice bullet, and then follow up by another work. You know, that's something I usually pay attention to. And, you know, it certainly pays off for me and Dean. It's gonna be the number six Sumter. Let's see if this one can get done the opener right now. They're off in the Santa Anita Mathis Mile. A very smooth beginning. Handy dandy showing good speed. Sumter on the outside intent on getting to the front. Mike Smith coaxing him along to get the lead. And he'll be the pacemaker. One more bid is tugging a bit. A joint second inside Handy Dandy. And then I'm a Gambler in the red color. Settles in fourth. About five lengths off the leader. Balnikov right together with time to party. With six furlongs to run. Sumter the pacemaker with an easy two-length lead over one more bid in second. Handy Dandy clearly third. I'm a gambler, fourth, four lengths off the leader. It's another length and a half back to Balnikov, who races on the inside of time to party. Down the back stretch, and it's Sumter cruising along. Opens it up to three now. One more bid is second with a half mile left to go. 
Another length and a half to I'm a Gambler at the rail. Handy Dandy asks for a bit more. Belnikov starts to pick it up under Gaflione. It's just four lengths off the lead with three furlongs to run. Time to party is at the back. It's been Sumter the controlling speed every step of the way. One more bid second. I'm a gambler inching a little bit closer. Balnikov swings into action on the outside as the field turns for home. Balnikov is let loose coming after Sumter. I'm a gambler at the rail. One more bid in between them. It's Balnikov on the outside. One more bid in between and Sumter hanging tough at the rail. Three of them come for the wire together. One more bid just in front close to home. One more bid. Balnikov here's the line. One more bid. And the number two, one more bid gets it done. $35, the winning mutual. 91, the winning buyer, Belichnikov, that deep, deep closer who always seems to, you know, having a deep closer like that be such a, a low price favorite. This is what can happen. Runs a really good game second with another 91 as well. Our horse, Sumter, runs pretty much the same figure. Last time out, runs an 88. And the Irish spread runs fourth with an 87. Listen, I don't know if I could have found a more interesting winner on the card when it's a grade two stake race and the maiden winner last time out gets it done. Yeah, I mean, this, you know, horse was obviously ambitiously placed, you know, and one thing I was just talking about, you know, um, a minute or two ago, you know, you follow up that last race uh, on November 19th when he broke his maiden, two sharp bullet works, you know, best of 60, best of 68, uh, 10th of December, 18th of December, the horse is in, you know, really great form, and I guess they just took a shot here. And, you know, what was more impressive uh, for me with this winner here that, you know, I did not like at all was the fact that if you watch this horse gallop out, Spencer, he galloped out probably nine or ten lengths in front. He was just drawing off after, you know, being stuck in, you know, in between horses, sandwiched. It wasn't a very comfortable spot, but like I said, he just took off again past the wire. So a very, a very impressive win for the, you know, this horse you know, diving into great state competition, you know, off that meeting win. For me, I know a lot of people give the Irish bread that maybe they'll give them that one race to get acclimated to the new track, new, obviously, continent. Uh, this one kind of probably ran too bad for me to give a second shot at. What about you? Yeah, I thought it was a very, very disappointing effort, you know, uh, like I said, based on some of the works. You know, some of the talk of the track, he attracted some money practically, and it was just kind of, you know, very disappointing. I think for Berliknikov, too, I mean, like I had said in the preamble, just when you've had these deep closers and they have them going off sub two to one, this is where you get into that price range where, okay, it's it's probably too low to be playing, you know, as our as the favorite to win. And sometimes you'll get horses like this that just don't make sense. And any other day, Berliknikov gets it done. And it's like, oh, a $16 horse underneath or 16 to one shot underneath. This time it doesn't get done because he was just a little bit too far back. Yeah, you know, he ran, he ran, you know, ran a good race. He tripped out nicely. He had dead aim and he just came up short. And that's, like I said, the kind of thing that happens, you know, when you are, you know, coming from the back. It's, uh, you know, a lot of things can go wrong. Let's move on to race number two. It's a maiden special weight, one mile on the dirt now. Super interesting. Baffert's got a couple in here. Where do we end up landing in this race? Yeah, I, you know, I went to both the Baffert horses, my first and second choice. I put purified. On top of number three, Bletchley Park, no, for no particular reason. Um, you know, I, I thought the race ran, ran through either of these two horses here. I like the fact that Purify was uh, by Lord Nelson, who was a sprinter himself, but gets close to 20% with his uh, dirt route uh, prodigy here. So the horse stretching out, you know, from six and a half furlongs, seven furlongs to a mile, looked like something he should be able to do. 
Uh, I like the fact that Velasquez took over here when he, you know, uh, he rode Bletchley Park um, as well. But, you know, the case could be made as, for him as well. Blinkers off, um, making a second start off the bench, switches to Hernandez, nothing wrong there. So I thought the race really ran, you know, ran through one of those two, two backward runners. And, you know, I didn't have anything creative for the third or fourth slot. I wasn't trying to be anti Baffert so much in this race, but purified for me the back to back 81 start off and dropping to a 72. That's scary. That tells me this one might be going off form. I went with the outside Pelagio victor for John Sheriffs. Listen, this one had an 84 way back in May of last year, second at Santania, now gets back to Santania for the first time since that race. Maybe there might be a little bit of horse for course angle there. And then Princip, Travian Platt, Mark Clatt, 10 to 1 last time, runs a solid second, gets beaten by a blowout winner, one at five to two. I didn't want to let go. Having both of these be above three to one, I thought maybe a wind dutch here would be interesting, in, which I usually don't get in such a small, short field like we had in the second uh, on Monday. Yeah, it's, um, you know, like I said, it was a short field, but it was very, you know, very, very competitive field as well. There's a couple different directions you could have gone here. couple pleasures for Dean. I'm trying to upset with Princip. And Pelagio, let's see who gets done right now. They're off. Principe out quickly. Purified broke a bit outward. Bletchley Park is showing sharp early foot, as is Mastermind, and those two now vying for the lead into the first turn. Pelagio and Migration at the back of the field. Mastermind is able to clear off and sprints away, tugging hard and leading by three and a half lengths. Principe on the inside of Bletchley Park, second and third, with Purified right next to Pelagio as they start to swarm in on Mastermind, whose lead is down to a half length. At the back of the field is Migration. They head past the 5-8th pole, and it's Mastermind, leading the way by a length and a half once again with Princeep in the two-path second. Bletchley Park outside of him, Pelagio widest of all, fourth, but just two and a half off the leader. Purified getting a smooth journey just inside of him. And then it's another four to migration. Three furlongs remaining. And it's Mastermind tackled by Prince Seep, who's just a head away now. Three quarters to Bletchley Park in third. Pelagio has to go now. He's covering a lot of real estate, but Pelagio making his move, coming to the quarter pole, and Pelagio has put his head in front. Purified is just behind this group. He's asked to pick it up with three to make up. Bletchley Park in between. Princip at the rail and Pelagio. Three of them line up, three sixteenths from home. Four back to Purified in fourth. Bletchley Park is tough between rivals. Pelagio on the outside and Princip. Bletchley Park, Princip and Pelagio. Three back to Purified. It's a driving finish. Bletchley Park, Princip on the inside. Late run from Purified. Bletchley Park wins it. And Bletchley Park gets it done. 81, the winning buyer. 860, the winning mutual. Man, each two said a competitive race. One, two, three, four horses within an 81 to 80 buyer. What a nice second race after we get that upset in race number one. Yeah, I thought, you know, Bletchley Park ran a really good race. He was three walks for most of the trip. And, uh, is, you know, it's very, very solid here. Um, blinkers off. Certainly uh, certainly worked out well, making the second start off the bench. Um both of the Baffert you know, horses coming out of the, you know, that same race where there was an X-Out winner. I believe his name was Thales. So they kind of ran back to that same race, but, you know, they were all within, a, you know, a couple of lengths of each other. So what are your thoughts now on Purified? For me, this one maybe gets a play next time out, but 
gets right back to the 81, but still can't get it done. Now we're getting four or five races into the, you know, career race cycle. And we still don't have a win here for this uh, son of Nyquist or son of, sorry, Lord Nelson. Yeah, I mean, uh, you, you know, you know the, the odds are going to be extremely short next time as well. Um, you know, he didn't run a bad race, but, you know, I wouldn't take anything too short on him next time. Um, you know, you get a Bafford with – look like it had talent started getting it to start – career start number four, five, six. You start to you start to wonder a little bit. And the fact that, you know, what was a little concerning for me, I guess, in hindsight here, was the fact that he started for, you know, his debut was a, for 50,000 made and claiming. Yeah. And that's not usually a good sign for this barn. So um, perhaps there's a, some, you know, underlining issues there that perhaps they straightened about. But that's never a good sign, you know, when you see a Baffert start, you know, for a tag price. Always feel like a bit of a gut, gut punch when you have two good ideas on two separate horses. This one, uh, Princip, obviously going off of that nice 10 to 1 price last time out. Get nice improvement here with this one going off at, you know, still a $10 price tag. And then you think Pelagio's going to get back to the 84 he ran last time, get, runs an 80. You know, kind of gross when you have horses improve 10, 12 points and you still can't get the uh, job done. Sure. Uh, it's certainly, certainly disappointing when that happens. But um, like I said, you know, can't take anything away from the winner. You know, he was free wide most of that trip. And, you know, I thought he, you know, ran a really, really, really well race here uh, with the switch to Hernandez and the second start off the bench. And, you know, like I said, perhaps the uh, the blinkers coming off were key there because uh, I thought it was an impressive race. Let's move on to race number seven for Santini. This is the last race of the podcast, State Bread N1X Allowance. It wouldn't be opening day at Santini without us going down the hill about six and a half furlongs. thought this race was another wide open race, kind of like the inside horse Flame, Magoon, Curatolo, and Glatt. Seeing that nice race last time out, a solid third at 10 to 1 with a 77 in the starter allowance. Now jumps up in class. Others I had liked in here were Big Beauty with obviously Flavian Pratt. Had a 78 and 80 last time out. Pretty much running the best figures of this four-year-old Philly's career. And one other one that I did want to end there was Dancing Dana, who just seemed to have the best overall form going down the hill with a win and three for three hitting the board. Didn't want to leave this one out on the outside, even though it did have the outside post. Yeah, Spencer, I thought that, you know, this is another big competitive field here that you could have went in several different uh, directions. Um, I landed on the eight big beauty simply because I thought Zephyr two back, they all went downhill. He was beating length, nice, solid buyer. Um, thought he was going to sit a nice trip in here, you know, with Pratt taking over. And, you know, you know, my one little concern is the fact he only has one win in eight starts and several underneath finishes, but uh, he was my top pick in here. Um, I also went, you know, underneath. I like the 11 true Patriot uh, making his third start off the bench with an improving buyer pattern, which I always like to see. And he switches to Hernandez here, who was, who was on my top pick, number eight, Big Beauty. So uh, I went 8, 11, 9, and 9 with Frankie DeTore as well. The fact that he was cutting back to a sprint, uh, making his downhill debut, and he, you know, appear appear really well spotted here, uh, perhaps for Doug O'Neill, and like I said, perhaps the cutback from going a mile down to the downhill course seemed like it could possibly uh, fit him uh, well. But you know, he has some speed from the outside, but speed is not always a great place to be on the downhill course here, especially on the outside. It doesn't you know if if you go back and look at the stats, it's usually a tough spot to win from, but. My top pick was the eight big beauty, uh, just based on that start two back. 
nervous at all have seen those six underneath finishes now taking a horse under two to one maybe this one has more of a second highest type to it that uh just can't find the wire except for second in most tries yeah it's certainly certainly concern here and you know it's another horse that we talked about that has to come you know make up some ground from far back and avoid some you know some traffic and trouble issues which is always a concern now, I know we've had the downhill course back for a little while, but we didn't have it for quite a while as well. How important is it, do you think, for California racing to have down the hill back in the racing uh, the racing book? Uh, I think it, it, I think it's awesome. I think the fans love it. Um, it's certainly uh, something that's attractive and interesting, you know, for people uh, that are familiar with it and, you know, fans that aren't, aren't familiar with it. You know, it's, it's, it's short. It's exciting. Uh, there's always very close finishes and, you know, it's a lot of the races are real handicapping puzzles, uh, you know, try to figure out and you can get paid if you, you know, if you can stumble onto something, but I think it's, you know, awesome that it's back. And I think it's a major lure, uh, you know, for the, the fans, you know, the horsemen, the jockeys, I think everybody likes it. Big beauty, former man, Dean, a little bit of big beauty, flame Magoon, and also going to the outside with dance and Dana. Let's see who gets it done here down the hill right now they're off big shamrock hustled hard out of there on the far outside it's dancing dana la deuxième etoile is in the firing line and d's lovely sophia now comes to battle too flame magoon is not far away only about a length and a half off the speed as they run down the hill, Smiling Molly is in between horses, Dancing Dana in the red, now backing up just a touch, Eleuthera is next, followed by Piazzetta racing on the inside of Big Beauty. That pair is followed by Big Shamrock, who's toward the back of the field, racing on the inside of Starship Sky as they head toward the quarter pole. And then it is a long, long way back to Lady Marianne. It's a strung out field that comes to the quarter pole. La deuxième étoile is the narrow leader. Between horses, Smiling Molly is in second. They're followed by Dancing Dana in the red colors. Just behind them, Eleuthera. Big Beauty is widest of all. Flame Magoon inside of her. It's a driving finish. La Deuxième Etoile leads by a length and a half close to home. Eleuthera coming through on the inside to challenge. La Deuxième Etoile on the far outside. Here's True Patriot exploding late and just missing to La Deuxième Etoile. And uh, I'm going to try and do this as best I can. Le Dumont. ATO gets the job done. 79, the winning buyer. $15 winning mutual. Nice $15 winner. Nice to see these horses still being able to pay good prices going down the hill. Uh, Dancing Dana runs a solid third at 18-1. True Patriot for you runs a second at 6-1. Big Beauty and Flame Lagoon, not not the best uh, picks there for me and you. No, Big Beauty I thought was very uh, disappointing. You know, he, he made a, a wide bid, you know, into the stretch there, but, you know, was never really a threat to the, uh, you know, the top finishes there. So, um, you know, kind of disappointing there. But I thought the winner ran a really, a really strong race uh, with that speed from the outside. And, you know, when I went back and checked uh, the fractions, I mean, he, he was really he was really motoring out there and just continued on. We see Doug O'Neill get this one back after having Leander Moore, but that's pretty much just – training inside uh more is i believe the assistant right yes yeah yep. so for everyone who might see that if you're not used to watching southern california racing i think some people might have been like oh you know doug had the horse and didn't and got it back maybe they would have seen it as 
maybe a bigger positive than it was knowing that the bar, that the horse really just stayed in the barn. I wish sure. they would do more things with that showing, you know, even just the big AS with a circle next to it, assistant trainer. I understand why they do it for suspension and stuff like that, but the horse is coming out of the same feed barn, the same everything. And to the unassuming eye, it looks different. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great, great point, Spencer. You know, if you're not, you know, up and familiar as to who the assistant trainer is to O'Neill, then, you know, you would have no idea and kind of maybe over handicap and think too much as to what was going on. But, uh, you know, it's coming out of the same place. So, um, you know, it's one and the same. Now, thoughts on the winner here. Obviously, the Tory was aboard. This one looks super, super interesting. Like you said, the fractions were so good. These last two races, those 77 and 79, we're seeing this big jump up of improvement. Are we thinking maybe bounce next time? I know that sometimes surf horses don't bounce as much as the dirt type, but I don't know if I'd be running to the window to bet this one next time out. No, I mean, I think you make a, you know another excellent point. There could be a bounce coming. I mean, his his fractions, he was sub half mile and sub 44, uh, 107 and 9, I think, for the six furlongs. I mean, he, he was just... You know, every indication was with those fractions, uh, which, you know, if they are correct, which I think they were, uh, you know, that horse would, you know, she would start to come back uh, to the field here. And she just kept on going. And I tell you, uh, it's great having Frankie, you know, come over here for the join this competitive jockey, Southern California jockey colony. He just he just looked really energized for uh, opening day. He won three races on the card, and um, you know, like I said, he he looks really rejuvenated, and you know, he just rode he rode excellently. There's no way, you know, he just was just superb. You know, his rides were just superb on opening day. But as far as a, a bounce candidate, I have to agree with you. You know, it was an effort that came out of um, came out of nowhere. You know, I just think that if you look back at his 11 starts, he never ran this type of a race before. So um, I'd be a little suspicious that he'd be able to you know, come back to back with that type of effort. Talking about Frankie winning three, Baffert wins five. I mean, at this point for me, I'm, I'm such an anti-Baffert guy when it comes to, to me betting out on the West Coast. But like you had said, once they get off to hot starts, sometimes they stay. I mean, we're used to taking the Baffert, you know, juice t- to begin with, just dropping the prices down so much. Uh, now that he's won five on opening day, I feel like it's just going to be short shot after short shot coming out of the Baffert barn. Yeah, it certainly seems that way. You know, he he doesn't always have a typical fast start, and he you know came out with could have done any better. And um, you know, of course, a guy like Phil D'Amato, he you know, it's he's one here is uh, kind of my my Achilles heel. It just uh, does well all the time. Um, and the thing is, you know, with Phil, is a lot of his horses, you know, on paper they don't look great, but they, I, I tell you, they yeah. sure do. They sure do run. Uh, they, they sure do run for him at this meet, and you know he 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 started off with a you know bang as well too. So he's certainly one guy you want to take you know take a close look at. No matter what he puts on the track, you know you have to give it a second look. I think you bring up such a great point where you know everyone just looks at the form and they think the form will tell you how the horse will run. Uh, Damato for me is one that I always just right next to the horse elevate. Because no matter how bad the 60 buyer looks, all of a sudden, the, you know, the 85 is right around the corner and this horse is going to pay $24. And then you look through the trainer stats and he's 20% turf and 25% this and that. And uh, definitely one trainer that, you know, when you're playing Santini, you have to keep eyes on all these trainers. When they start winning in, you know, small groupings, you know, two two winners here that pay $10 at that point, they go on my hot trainer list. And 
from there on out, I really have to start paying attention to these guys. Yeah, I mean, uh, a classic example is the last race uh, that we didn't go over on Saturday, which was the Grade One American Oaks. He ran one two uh, with horses, uh, you know, at seven to one and almost twelve to one. Uh, hit the exacta there, and you know, honestly, I didn't give either of them, you know, much of a look uh, yeah. at all, uh, you know, as far as contenders there. But that's what he does all the time there, and you have to be really, uh, you know, you really have to pay attention because you know he's he's beat me more than a handful of times, you know, with horses that kind of didn't look great on paper, but they, you know, they can bounce back and run really well, especially, you know, in these types of races, great ones. That is all the time we have for tonight's podcast. I do want to thank my special guest, Dean Kepler, for coming on. Dean, what do they got going over in the money and uh, where can people find to talk to you about all things Southern California on Twitter? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, covering all of Southern California, uh, Santa Anita, and then, you know, right into, we also do Los Al Thoroughbred Meat and Del Mar. So, you know, everything Southern California, we have our analysis up there for every live racing card. My Twitter handle is uh, at Kep's Corner, and, um, you know, you can follow me there. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Spencer.